Hello, welcome to an episode of Books and Sex with your host, Kyron Shannon. We're here on this podcast, we specialize in reading intercourse. Our goal with this podcast is to be informative and entertaining, and we hope you enjoy this journey with us. Follow us on Instagram at Books and Sex Podcast, or email us any reading suggestions, topics, and or feedback at booksandsexpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, we will share summaries from three books from our current reading list. We each will read an excerpt of the best sex scene from one of our books. Kara and I will then compare each other's selections and then select which book we'll add to our personal reading list. Please note this episode will contain spoilers. Let's get started. Welcome to another segment of Books and Shit. Happy Black History Month! Now... For today's episode, Shannon and I will be discussing blackness through the lens of white hegemony. Shannon and I are both book readers, particularly romance readers, but we'll also be discussing blackness through the white hegemony gaze in books, movies, TV, etc. This episode and conversation are centered from the perspectives of two black heterosexual women. However, Shannon and I both acknowledge that blackness is represented through different gender identities. Black history should be intentional to all, but we know it's only intentional to some. Here on this podcast, we're rooted in blackness no matter the month. It's Black History Month, bitch. Wee! That was the whitest. Leave me alone. You could have at least said, okay. I'll try my best. What have you ever? What about what <laughs> I know, John? I, I know. I do. What well, you, you knew who he was, so that's what matters. That's what good. What have you ever? That's good. That's good. <laughs> that worked. Leave me alone. How you feeling about Black History Month right now? Tell me how am I feeling? How does it make you feel? It never I really is. <sighs> Go ahead and tell on yourself. I I'm joking. Any, like it, I'm gonna be honest, uh, because I got I gotta be careful what I say because they're gonna take my black card, Kyra. They can't take that away from you. Oh, uh, you, so you say? They take it away. <laughs> but it just it never like it's cool. I love seeing everybody else's excitement over it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love seeing my people excited. <laughs> my, my people. <laughs> what? I love that for them. My I love people. That for us. Oh, okay. Because I say you're not one of us. Oh, <laughs> give me a little bit of you know who. I, I don't know. I never. Uh, I'm not gonna say never, but right now I'm not feeling any way about it. Okay. All right. And you, Miss <laughs> Ma'am? It's usually one of my. I want to say it's my number two or three favorite holiday. Mm. You know, time. Because my all-time favorite holiday or just season is always going to be Halloween. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) Black History Month is, it's very special to me. It's like, I'm intentionally avoiding white people. I don't pose white people during this time. It's like, (laughs) the one time. Just, I block out space. Okay. I enjoy I enjoy it. Yeah. I do. I just wasn't expecting you to say that. That I genuinely avoid white people. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> five more times for the people in the back. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I intentionally practice to have a very black and brown curated space. Mm-hmm. Black History Month. It's like the one time I can actually... And people are going to back me up on that mm. shit. Okay, I feel that. Yeah, like, I feel. feel the camaraderie of that. Like, yeah. I don't have to fucking be bothered. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I still have to go to work. I still have to 
participate in the system when I go buy bread. <laughs> but what? like, so let's yep. get into our discussions because yeah. we've got some things for we you guys. Do, we do. <laughs> so <laughs> I was loving you do that. Actually, it's always so good. <laughs> So let's go ahead and get into hegemony and the white gaze. First, let's just do our basic definitions. Hegemony can be defined as leadership or dominance, especially by one country or social group over others. And the white gaze is defined as the assumption that the default reader or observer is coming from a perspective of one who identifies as white or that people of color sometimes feel the need to take into account the white reader or observer's reaction. Love that. <laughs> well, I mean, we shouldn't love it. But... No, but I mean, I love the I love defining things. I feel like I'm in an episode of Reading Rainbow. That's what oh. it's given. <laughs> take a look. <laughs> now don't take my word for it. <laughs> so... The interesting thing about these terms is I first experienced learning about them when I was in college and I was doing women's studies and I had a feminist theory class. And in the class, we were discussing particularly feminism and we were discussing what like hegemony was. But in this particular sense, we were discussing it in reference to like hegemon feminism, particularly known as white feminism. And learning that the second wave of feminism is incredibly essential to the building blocks of the progression of women. However, the second wave of feminism also comes with um, the main focal point being very, well, main focal point being focused specifically on white women. So things like intersectionality was really, well, intersectionality was really not a thing, particularly because there were black women's issues who were not being brought to the forefront, even black lesbian issues that were not being fought, brought to the forefront, as well as just lesbianism in general. And then, of course, with the gay rights movement that was continuing, even under the umbrella of the second wave of feminism, the, there still wasn't representation of trans people in those conversations, um, nor at those meetings and rallies, etc. And so you see that the particular type of feminism, such as the hegemon feminism, which is the majority white gay feminist perspective, was really the dominant one there. And so I didn't actually realize that I was seeing my like my my internalization of like feminism for a long time actually as something that wasn't really including like others like i had i knew like the importance of blackness and conversations and dialogue and and like life but i didn't know like how that actually had fit into the feminist conversation for so long because it it really wasn't a mainstream thing and i think for me where i was in college in 2016 that was also a new um, kind of reintroduction into feminism. And I don't know, like, if you had ever saw it, it was Emma Watson who had done a speech at some, like, huge, like, conference. And um, she kind of, like, declared herself openly a feminist. However, around that same time a little bit, Beyonce was actually, which Beyonce had actually pretty much been declaring herself as a feminist in a lot of ways. It just was never really vocalized but if you look at Beyonce's body of work, it is very feminist-based. Mm. And there were people that were criticizing Beyonce a lot, that her feminist was her feminism was very feminist-light, like Annie Lennox. 
um, big artist, she said that Beyonce's feminism was feminist light. And she didn't think, and I, and I think there's really, you know, a lot of white feminists were criticizing her because it didn't look like the mold and the building blocks of how we teach feminism to be from this very white female perspective where it doesn't discuss the breakdowns of what people of color are experiencing systematically. Mm-hmm. And I think over a period of time, especially as I look back now, those things are really interceding on everyday things such as the type of material I would digest. And in this case, where we're going to be discussing books, movies, and TV, etc. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, like, college, college really opens you up to, like, so many things that puts it into a big, like... It makes it... It's, like, it's very broad, mm-hmm. but when you look at it, it is very simple, mm-hmm. in a sense. Like, you've experienced these things and have noticed them your whole life, but then when you kind of get into college and you just... You learn the fundamentals... Of some of these things, you're like, wow, I've been experiencing it, but I hadn't really learned it. Yeah. So. Crazy. (laughs) It's crazy right there. (laughs) What do you think about these definitions, homegirl? Like, I don't know. Like, how do these definitions impact you in a sense? Or, like, have you ever really thought about them? Not at all. Because the first time I heard the word hegemony was when you said it on the pod. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. Wait, on which pod? What do you mean which? This one here? No. Oh, because I knew it was in this one. Episode one or two? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got good memory. I guess. No, you do. (laughs) You do. You do. So, let's go ahead and get, we're going to get a little personal, a little bit of reflection. Vulnerable. And vulnerable. Okay, so in some way, shape, or form, I like that thing you do, but it gets a little weird sometimes. I am weird. I know. I'm a bit weird. Physically or both? I don't oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever I'm feeling that day. I like how we can literally go from the conversations of hegemony and the white yeah. gaze to I'm built shit. weird, yeah. you know. I'm built funny, <laughs> buttermilk biscuit shaped hoes. <laughs> oh my god! Come on now, come on. <laughs> and we're not cutting that out. So. <laughs> All right, so how have you seen blackness through the white gaze? And when you think about it, like, what are some examples that you think of for yourself? Now, for me, I've pretty much seen it as blackness is this specific thing. Mm-hmm. This specific category. <laughs> and that I myself don't fit in it, according to other white folk. Based on my experience. What was your experience? Like, so I went to private school from preschool to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And so majority of people in my class were white. White. <laughs> so, white. All of my friends were white growing up. Because mm-hmm. even when I went to public school in high school, it was the same group of friends mm-hmm. that I transitioned with. So it was just years of... Years of a bunch of white people, like, telling me that, you know, you're not, like, a typical black person. You're not, you know what I mean? You're like not, you're not black not, enough. Yeah. And just, because I already feel weird and out of place because I'm, I'm the only black person in a group of white people. And now you're telling me I'm not the right kind of black. So it's, like, so definitely a negative. <laughs> 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 if you couldn't, you know, <laughs> definitely a negative effect. For sure. 
Um, just growing up, just feeling out of place, I guess. And just not, ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I've had a lot of, hmm, until recently, mm-hmm. like the last couple of years, I've had a lot of issues with, like, my confidence and my self-worth and shit. Mm-hmm. Definitely gotten better. Still got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been hard, like, trying to... What's the word I'm looking for? Navigate? I guess. Or, like, kind of just rework that mindset, mm-hmm. you know? Where you think one thing for the majority of your life, and then you realize, no, that's that's not correct, sis. That's, <laughs> that is wrong. <laughs> and so logically, I know that, but it's still been so instilled in me for so long that it's hard to, like, oh, gosh, what's the word? Break the chain? Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Or just break those habits, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Stop! <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> okay, so question. Yeah. <laughs> like, who, like, who... I'm not naming names. No, I mean, <laughs> you bitch! I still know these people. <laughs> well, I'm sure even the audience might agree. <laughs> Should you still know them? I mean, what do you mean? Okay, so let's start off with this question first. Okay. Who are these people that told you this or ma- and made you feel this way? My friends growing up. And these people were white? Yeah. Okay. And you're still friends with them to this day? Friendly. Okay. Like, we don't hang out every day, but, like, we still talk. We still meet up every now and again. Have you ever addressed them about, like, the shit that they said to you? No. Because... To this day, for some of them, I am still their only black friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. (laughs) Excuse me, but I'm just going to say... You got me having to face my shit. You got me fucked up! (laughs) You know when you just kind of, like, bury something... Mm -hmm. And you just don't face it. You just kind of just let it, you know. And you telling your business to everybody online. Listen, right listen, now. listen, listen. We are being vulnerable. We okay? are. We are. This is, you know. Because I guess my, I guess my thing is like, because you know, like for me, even personally, like the curated space that I've developed at this point, like when it comes to whiteness and particularly with white people in my life, mm-hmm. um, vast majority of my friends at this point in time now, really are black and brown women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I can't fuck with, like, white people who, like, have said shit like that to me or, like, have said it and, like, out of everything that has gone on even in, like, the last, what, I want to say to the heightened, the heightened, like, conscious consciousness within 2020 to even date to now although shit has been happening long before 2020 mm-hmm. um like there is no way possible you could be my friend and be white and 
you have not even called me to be like, oh, I'm sorry I said that to you back then. Mm. Well. There's no way. Because mm-hmm. I've tried calling this one broad. Oh. And she married and she off now. But if I saw that bitch in person mm-hmm. to date. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, do you remember that time when you said you, you... that white people were slaves too? Do you remember when you said that? Do you remember when you said that white people were slaves too? And you started crying your ass off because my sister and I got on your ass about some bullshit you said. And we was breaking down colonization and colonialism and imperialism and all this shit on your ass. And you couldn't take it. And then you went and got the campus ministry leader who was black. And she backed your ass up. Yeah, because you were in a cult. Yeah, I was in a cult. (laughs) And I was in a cult, you guys. I was. Eight years total, racism, white institution. And that's a whole other episode. But but there's no way. Like, if I saw that broad today, it's on. Mm -hmm. Like, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. It's only 18 minutes. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Uh, well, I guess I'll say for myself here. <laughs> I'm just going to move out. <laughs> well, well, hold on real quick, though, because I don't I don't want I don't want it to be like that. So, like, based on even what I said, like, like, this is stuff that I know and I'm fully aware of. Okay. But, you know, I'm the type of person who just avoids shit. I'm very avoidant. I procrastinate on shit. You know this about me. So I'm aware. Okay. In the back of my head, I always knew this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can I say something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Speak your truth. I, okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say it was Maya Angelou who said this. Because then I've heard Oprah say it unless she's quoted my angel, so I don't want to 100% say it. Mm-hmm. But I guess I will just base this off of the saying that goes, when you know better, you do better. Mm. So you already knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you still know. Mm-hmm. And as wonderful and as intelligent and blackly melanated and amazing with all your black girl magic that you have, you still ain't choosing to do better. I guess not. Okay. You know you're gonna get on your ass after this one. Okay. So, in terms of myself here, in terms of myself, like growing up, I always like knew that like blackness was important. I think the first time I actually um heard like a declaration of blackness was when my mother was doing my hair. And my sister and I were defending Abraham Lincoln during a TV. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) We were defending Abraham Lincoln while we were watching Liberty Kids or something. Mm. Oh, that was my shit. (laughs) Oh my god. Yo. 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 And we were like defending Abraham Lincoln. And I was like, Mommy, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm. And 
she just got very I was like she just changed like her mm-hmm. whole everything just changed mind you I'm like a kid mm-hmm. okay everything just like changed and I was like I just but I had never heard my mom talk so like vocally black before mm-hmm. like I had never um and it just I, I and I think actually at first I had a very like internalized uncomfortable feeling about my mom like I actually thought my mom was racist <laughs> For, no, I'm, I'm being serious. Okay. I thought for a second, like, she was racist and she was wrong for, like, being so sure, mm. you know? And I think especially, like, growing up in New York City, like, you grow up in a melting pot of, like, all kinds of people. So, like, mm. yes, like, you know, you know that, like, there's diversity in New York City, but you also know that racism comes out a little bit differently in New York City than it does so blatantly when you're down south, mm. you know? And... I think looking back, um, my mother also was a person who, like, was very adamant about my sister and I being very, like, diversified and and culturally relative. For example, my grandmother (laughs) and my mother used to always argue in front of me um, because my grandmother would never buy buy me and my sister, my sister and I, black doll like, any dolls that were not black. Mm. She never did that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) my mom was like, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was like, when we go to FAL Schwartz, <laughs> she was like, we're gonna, I'm gonna get them any kind of doll they want. You know, my grandma was like, well, I'm not getting them a doll if she ain't black. <laughs> and my grandma was really from, she was from the South. Mm-hmm. So I really look back on those, like, kind of declarations that I see, especially from my grandmother who grew up in the South and then also raised all her kids in New York. She also had to raise her kids in New York City with a perspective of, like, protecting them. Mm-hmm. But then even for my mom, like, she raised her children from this perspective of, like, I want you to be diversified, but I still want you to take onus of your blackness. So, and for her, that meant, like, we would go to museums and, like, all kinds of things on the weekends, and we always had activities, you know? Um, But I will say, though, if you actually look at it and think about it, I feel like a lot of black people make it so important to diversify their children and white people don't do that Hmm. like black people and i want to say black people and other people of color especially too like they do like they are so heavy on making sure that their children are well-rounded because you know that being well-rounded is a form of advancement in this society but white people don't teach their children to be well-rounded as a means for advancement they just expect their children to advance Hmm. and so (laughs) 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 so silly but like so therefore like even from there like i felt i did have a lot of like anti-blackness that i had to like un like ungook a little Mm bit um particularly because because my mother was so adamant about like diversification and my mother was so adamant about like being intelligent, I think those elements of, like, um, respectability politics really interceded my mind a lot. Like, I really have had all... I, I really had to, like... I want to say, honestly, for the last, like, couple of years is really when I've been very intentional, though, about getting out of respectability politics. Mm. Because I think one thing that Black people also have come to this understanding about is that respectability politics also does not... It doesn't keep you from not dying. 
It doesn't keep you out of, you know, may keep you out of certain aspects of poverty and systematic oppression, but you're still involved in the oppression of the system that oppresses you. Um, so, so yeah, like, I hope I made sense when I say that, but I also think especially what kept me very grounded a lot of times was, like, being in New York and having, um, engaging constantly in hip-hop and R&B. Like, that has just always kept me super-duper grounded all of the time. And it's so... Black! <laughs> yeah? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's so very, very black. And so I, um... I just feel like I have a lot... I owe a lot of my, like, fondest memories to the development of my blackness and especially the development of consciousness of blackness for me um, to hip hop and growing up in New York City. I really, really do. So. Look at this on memory lane. (laughs) (laughs) But what about TVs, like TV movies, books? What's that been like? What about them? Like... (laughs) Not what about them. What you mean? Like, what's it been like <laughs> through the white gaze for you? Probably. That's a Raven for sure. That was a big one. A little Raven smile. Yes. Uh, I wanted to... Words. <laughs> Loves That's a Raven and the Cheetah Girls were probably two of the biggest ones for me growing up. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Not a whole lot. Those are the only two that really stick out. Mm-hmm. Because all the other stuff, I mean, with Disney, there wasn't a whole lot of, <laughs> let's be honest, let's be honest. I love me some High School Musical, but okay, like, come on. Corbin, Corbin Blue, and what was the other, Monique was her name, right? I think. I don't remember. She's so beautiful. She is. She's so beautiful. Yes. But I, I really don't remember, I don't remember her. Like, no, I don't. I don't. And it's sad. Let's take a guess at, like, what other black shows were on that network, though. What else? I don't think there was a whole lot. Oh, another one, though. An oldie but a goodie. Family Matters. I love me. <laughs> what? I love me some Family Matters. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just did not expect. I did not expect Family Matters. It just popped in my head. I did not. Ex- I just didn't expect that. Did you watch Family Matters as a kid? Um, When it came on. But to mm-hmm. say, like, my favorite... Like, off di- Okay, so, like, in terms of Disney, that's a Raven, Cheetah Girls. Yeah. For sure. Like, for sure, for sure, for sure. Like, um, off Disney? Off Disney, I would say shows that I was really not supposed to be watching. Mm-hmm. Which we'll talk a little bit, like, a little bit as, like, a little homage to her later. But Girlfriends, mm-hmm. I was watching. Mm-hmm. On UPN, mm-hmm. I was not supposed to be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> By Mar Brockiel, I was watching it. I was not supposed to be watching it. Um, Everybody hates Chris. Mm. Um, like, yes, like when I think about it, like, and then of course there would always be reruns of like The Fresh Prince, Steve Harvey, like the Jamie Foxx show. So like all these shows. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? At me? I'm just laughing. And so like all these shows, I would watch so much of. And we would actually always watch them, like, every Friday. Like, we'd watch them, like, marathons on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom would, like, get dinner when she'd come in from the city. Yeah, Family Matters was not one of those for me. This was. I love the theme song. Sing it, Shannon. I'm not singing it right now. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> You're so cute! What Cheetah Girl were you? Listen. I'm gonna say Chanel. Okay. But... 
I would have liked to be Gabriella, Gabriella, but I don't think I could. You know, I don't think I could have ever truly been Gabriella. You know, you're very good at putting stuff together, Shannon, and like holding <laughs> stuff together. Now, yes, okay. I feel like I could be Gabriella. Okay. As a kid, no, I didn't think I could ever reach that. You know what though? Okay, no mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. What was? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. You kind of... Okay, so just due to, like, the stuff that you shared a little bit, it's kind of giving a little bit of Dorinda. (laughs) I can't stand you. I can't fucking stand you. (laughs) I can't. No. It's a little bit of Dorinda. Oh, I don't want to be Dorinda. Don't make me Dorinda. I don't want to be Dorinda. I don't want to be Dorinda. Dorinda was actually cool, though. I don't want to be here, though. <laughs> Why? I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. But I, I will totally say I feel like I could have seen... I would have loved to have seen little Shannon. Like, I would have loved to have seen little Shannon... Cheetah girls. <laughs> That it was. It was a very healthy representation. It was. Like, it was healthy. Absolutely. And also, like, mama's in there taking care of business. Yes, Shout both out of to them. Lynn Whitfield. Both of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was look. Chuchi's uh, mom's um, boyfriend's name again? Uh, damn, I don't remember. She was, honestly, I ain't gonna hold you. She kind of was picking um, that man a little bit over her daughter a little, a little bit. bit. Just a, a little, little bit. bit. Just yeah. A pinch. pinch. Just a pinch. But she deserves happiness, happiness too. Happiness, too. You know, she got married in, in the you know in the final mm-hmm. one. I'm like, no. was she really mad about a free trip to Barcelona? Like, no. really? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. No. What are we mad about, about Chanel? Chanel? I think, well, also, you do have to think about it. Like, Chanel didn't have her dad. Like, she never mm-hmm. dad. Her mom. She was, And Chanel was still, like, a big de- developmental stage. True. You know? But yeah. I just want to say. What's everybody say? No, no. I was going to say they were 18. Were they in seniors? Or the juniors? I think they were like salt, like juniors, juniors or seniors. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. So a little developmental. It have been what three years since the, between the first and the, the first and yeah, the first and the second. Yes, we don't talk about the third. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> we don't need to do that. It's not something we have to do. Just don't whatsoever. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> but I will say I do feel a lot like Gabriella was not wrong. No. She was the Beyonce of the group. And she was. She was trying to keep the girls together. She did her best. Because, and this is why, I know we shouldn't always compare people to Beyonce, okay? But (laughs) (laughs) there was this, there's like this old video of Beyonce when she was younger, okay? And she was like, you know, they they were rehearsing and everything like that. And she tells one of the girls, like on the video, she's like... You know when you when you when you were hitting that note right there, you know you kind of missed it, but tried to get right. Huh? Oh, uh, that's the one right there. You know she was directing traffic. She was Beyonce was always getting the people together and always getting them ready. Okay, and that's where Gabriella was. Gabriella was always trying to make sure that everybody was on their p's and q's so they could be ready for fame when the time started. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't accept that. No, they weren't ready for. They it. weren't ready for. They weren't. They weren't on Gabriella's level. No. And you can tell who I related to, okay? <laughs> now, there were things that Gabriella should have been doing, like she should have been asking and not assuming. But you know who also was a punk-ass bitch, oh. okay? Um, Aqua. Yeah. Aqua was the kind of bitch to throw her hands and then hide them behind her back. I would have rather been Dorinda than Aqua. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 
Aqua was really whack as hell. She was like, I told you to take care of it. And you did it. Now I'm about to. Well, bitch, why you didn't do that before, bitch? Aren't y'all all friends? What are we doing? What? Huh? That shit pissed me off. She had one time to push my ass. That shit pissed me off. Wow. Okay. Like, who are you? Put your gap to self. Okay. Pratisa's better that. now. I can say that because. I have a gap. I too have a We're gap. We're gap girls. <laughs> so I can say that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, seriously, Disney Channel was an era. It mm. really was an era. And I feel like Raven really did open the door for girls especially to be able to have these shows. Like, you have more diversification on these shows. So, as far as, like, I want to say, though, for, like, positive shows, yes. Like, there's the usual, such as, like, Girlfriends, The Mm -hmm. Game, you know, Everybody Hates Chris. Yeah, like, Everybody Hates Chris. You know, but I will honestly say, though, um, it didn't, like... I like because well for me because I was like I'm 2000 and I'm I'm 30 and so I'm, of course I'm a millennial and you're a millennial but for me my like era of like like where I feel like a big developmental stage for me and where I always go back to everything is very Y2K late 90s 2000s mm-hmm. and especially 2005 and I think about it always very vividly like when I was in the fifth grade in 2005 mm-hmm. and that was when you got Rihanna. I think that was the, I think, yeah, Beyonce, I think, had already just done, I think Crazy in Love had already just come out. Um, Hip-hop was still peaking. Hip-hop was still peaking. And then not only that, but just, like, there was Laguna Beach, like, MTV, (laughs) and era, okay? MTV, Laguna Beach, like, um, The Hills, so, like, all these, like, shows that are really rooted in whiteness. Mm. Beyonce. You know? <laughs> and, like, the old real world. Like, these shows really were rooted in whiteness. And so much so that I'm pretty sure I'm not the only, like... And then I even think about, too, like, when Mean Girls came out. Mm-hmm. Great. But, like, you don't even really 100% even pick up on some of the, like, problematic... Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, you don't yeah. even pick up on oh, it. That's pretty obvious. Yeah, well... <laughs> Because I'm from Africa, you know. I'm from Michigan. Assuming that you know, golly, she really. Jumbo. I'm from Michigan. It's like, bitch, what are you? Don't do that. Okay. Or. mm. (laughs) No, no, no. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? No, the scene you were talking about. Imagine someone coming up to you, a white girl coming up to you. No. Jumbo. And she like walked with her with confidence. She did. Okay. And what was her name? Uh, and like, and then also too the whole like unfriendly black hotties. Yeah. Very problematic. Yeah. Very very very. She didn't find out what she was doing. Yeah, she knew the fuck. Okay, because <laughs> because and honestly too, when you really say that, mm-hmm. like, there's this era of like SNL that like I really grew up on, mm-hmm. which I feel like even shaped a lot of like. How, like, I kind of even reference a lot of pop culture moments because that's also the whole, like, George Bush era as well. Like, it's it's going on... Because then I think by then we were, like, kind of getting to, like... That was the first term, and then we're getting on to, like, the, the second term. And so, like, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. you get to, like... Maya Rudolph was one of the girls, too. Um, <laughs> you get to, like, kind of even progressing to, like, 2009... 
And there's Kristen Wiig and, like, Celeste, like, and all these other girls. So, like, they were dominating, like, comedy. Mm -hmm. But, like, some of their shit was really problematic as fuck. Like, Baby Mama is problematic as fuck. I only watched it once, so I don't remember a whole I remember when I first watched it, I was like, this shit is nasty and wrong. I don't remember a whole lot. But, I mean, that's their humor. That's a lot of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler's humor. Yeah, and some Sarah Silverman problematic-ass humor, too. Like, and I think, well, what I will say, though, is I think we have to stop saying shit like it's humorous and sometimes call it for what it is. No, that, I'm saying that's how they do all yeah, their yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, No, stuff. I wasn't, no, I was just saying that that's... No, I wasn't saying that's what you were oh. saying. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm saying, like, that's the usual term. Mm. But I think, in a lot of ways, that's the shit that they've been able to get away with mm. as just writing it off as, like, that's just my humor, I'm just funny. Mm. And, um... Crystal, actually, from The Read, had gotten into it with this one guy one Ooh. time. You okay? The tea. <laughs> I thought something had happened to you! No, no. Just finding a spot for my elbow. <laughs> Crystal from The Read had gotten into it with this guy who was in the audience, and he, was, he wasn't even asking a question. This was, like, a couple years ago. And he says to her, you know, I think you're being a little too hard on Sarah Silverman. <laughs> and... You know, I think you're just being a little sensitive, you know, when she oh. says this or that. Like, you know, it's not being racist. It's just joking. And she was, like, Crystal was like, you, she was, basically, she was like, you can sit the fuck down. Mm, okay. Because if I'm telling you as a black seats, woman, so seats, seats, okay? Mm-hmm. She's like, if I'm telling you that as a black woman, but I find the shit that Sarah Silverman says to be fucking racist, that's it. And I don't think you, as a black man, should get out of his motherfucking seat to be conducting with me to tell me how the fuck I should be fucking feeling about Sarah Silverman being fucking racist. Well. And I feel like, literally, Mean Girls is such an iconic, funny thing. But I think, like, so many adults, Sarah Silverman's and Tina Fey's and Amy Poehler's, like, they are contributors to the success of that film in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because, well, Sarah Silverman wasn't in the film, but, like, just in those ways because it's that tone that was established and set, but also because there, for a long time, was no representation of black people. Yeah. Like, there was just no representation on TV, and I think, like I said, the most vivid that I have is really when UPN kind of came into the fold and was dominating with Everybody Hates Chris and, like, one-on-one. Like, you know, all of us. kids? Yes! Oh, my God. Which, but they switched clear like, nobody's fucking bi- bitch! Because, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I first watched that show, I didn't watch the first season first. I just watched, you know, whatever reruns they had. So when I watched the first season, I was like, who the fuck is this? Who is that? Is that the friend next door? <laughs> <laughs> they really did that to that little girl. Same way they did fucking Aunt Viv. Ooh, you're right. Ooh. Damn. Representation. Yeah. Damn. I'd be interested to actually know what the producer's reasoning was for, like, I'd be, I'd be interested to know, like, what the producer's reasoning was for switching. Claire? Switch, yeah. Like, for Claire. I'd be so interested to know. Yeah. It's probably on the internet. <laughs> just, you just gotta Google. Yeah. Oh, type it. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> but no, see, I, I totally forgot about my wife and kids. My mom, she actually didn't really want my sister and I watching that. She felt that it was... She felt like it was a little too grown. I think mm. what happened was when Junior had finally, like, had the baby, mm-hmm. I think she felt like this show was just very, like... Oh, we should have been watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we watched a lot of shows. We watched a lot of shows. We watched a lot of shows, you know? You know? So, honestly, I feel like 
the negatives in a lot of ways don't out like the negatives for me long term for me I feel like I grew into the person as a as I grew into the blackness and the black woman that I'm supposed to be and it worked out because I feel like I had a healthy balance of knowing like a, a certain kind of foundation for what my mother set for me for my sister and I and then having the outside world to teach me as well mm-hmm. you know but I will say you can't you just you have to be intentional about not allowing your children to be so absorbed in whiteness and mm-hmm. I think that that could have really happened to me like had I not had like the parent that I had mm-hmm. I think it could have been different for me for sure <laughs> I was loving your little last minute ad lib. <laughs> so, ma'am. Okay. So, Kyra. <laughs> Do you try to practice intentionally for the sake of blackness in your digestion of books, movies, and TV, TV shows, etc.? <laughs> it's the lip pop for me. You're a fucking blowfish. <laughs> Bitch. So... Yes, uh-huh. I do. I feel like I... Okay, so short, 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 short deal. I My favorite author of all time is Nora Roberts. Mm-hmm. If you've been following this podcast at this point, you know who my girl is. Nora Roberts? I would have never guessed. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. Not Lanta. <laughs> okay? I can buy myself flowers, okay? Okay. Uh- <laughs> Nora Roberts is my all-time favorite girly. Mm-hmm. And I the first time I picked up her book, I was like I was 16 and I bought I got wide and by I went to the library. I got Opposites Attract and I got Hearts Victory. Reading books from the 80s, if you're looking to have healthy romances from then, you just just pick it up for entertainment and criticism. That just do it for that, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading them and I was just like in love. I just, I fell in love from there and I, I've, I've been a fan ever since and I've, I've loved her books, Mm -hmm. but I will say, um, what kind of affected me a little bit with being so absorbed in her books. Cause then even after her, well still, I was getting into like a lot of authors like Linda Howard, Karen Roberts. Um, like I was, I was so heavily involved in reading them and while they were really great, I feel like what really affected me was, like, I did have a hard time. Like, I would still watch shows, like, um, like just everyday TV shows and movies and things like that because I love them. But I would have a very hard time digesting wanting to read black fiction books. I've always read books by black authors. My One of my all-time favorite books of all time is the autobiography of Malcolm X. But... To say fiction-wise that I wanted to read black books, like, with black love or black representation, no. And I also think that reading Nora kind of gave me a little bit of a classist, like, idea on how writing should be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I could, my mother had even said to me before, I was when I was in creative writing, I won a couple of awards, like, you know, local district awards for a short story I had done and, like, memoirs and I know some of the writings that I had like done like I had a particular way that I like to write Mm -hmm. 
And I look back now and I feel like it was pretty classist because we would also do peer review sometimes in our creative writing class. And I'd be scraping the bitches' papers. Mm, this is wrong. Okay. Incorrect. <laughs> do better. Okay. <laughs> Red marks all over that motherfucking loose leaf paper. <laughs> Try again. I haven't said loose leaf in years. Damn. <laughs> and because I, and I will say, I'm not going to hold you like things that I had, you know, presented to them were beneficial, but I do think a lot of times in the back of my mind, I was very classist. Mm. So I, I feel especially for me now, and, and so yeah, that was a big part of like the white gaze for me. But I feel like for myself, even in terms of like movies and things like that, I never had a hard time with that. I've always been engulfed in like black movies and black representations, um, even in, t- in TV. But I think for me, most recently, within the last year and I think a lot of times especially too in our friendship I've learned to practice being intentional in what I read Mm -hmm. like I know you've like read a couple of like like um like interracial like gay romances and I've one black romance oh sorry just one oh (laughs) but you've read a couple interracial yeah no yeah but I'm talking just yeah a couple interracial and one like just straight up black okay yeah so I and so I feel like straight And so I feel like in my friendship with you, I've especially wanted to go after being accountable in my like queer politics Mm -hmm. and my black queer politics with like adding more of those things into my like TBR reading logs. I, I feel like it's one thing to have like these ideas and and for people to know that this is the way that I really like think and believe. But I want to also be in the fictional world about that also. Mm. And I've come to that place. Um, I've really started to read a lot of um, books with, like, well, at least starting off with adding them to my TBR of, like, black female leads. Mm. And even if the, you know, main character happens to be white, like, that's fine, too. I feel like I've also learned to be um, more intentional and accepting and open to, like, a potential love story for myself that maybe my partner may not be mm-hmm. a black male. That may be what I really want, but that might not happen. Mm-hmm. And so going into a space of fiction with the intention of getting blackness out of that, no matter the storyline. Because also, I think, too, sometimes I feel like a story has to be, like, this epic novel. Mm-hmm. And it has to be this, 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 and that. And it doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. And that's what I mean by, like... It could be some hanky panky. Yeah. <laughs> We know you love your smut. Um, <laughs> ma'am, we know. Um, <laughs> the stuff that I send you nowadays, too, I'm like, I just added this to my TBR. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Ooh. I'm corrupting you, yeah. You know, it's working out great. <laughs> um, but I but I do. I feel like in also um, adding, like, blackness to my reading logs, I just feel like I I find myself feeling more intimate with myself in a lot of ways. And it's it's just about the representation that I feel. And also, really quickly, I want to say, too, um, always shout out to the Quinn app. Because mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a source of media, Come bitch. On. Okay? <laughs> it's a motherfucking source of media. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's like, I'm so sorry, so sorry. <laughs> 
short. It's taking time. I've been a Quinn app user now for the last. Um, why do I feel like I'm standing up in front of a? I, I've I'm a, been a Quinn app user for the last seven months. <laughs> My name is Kyron. I'm a Quinn addict. Oh! <laughs> Hi, Kyron. Hi. <laughs> Who are your audio favorites? Nadio and Nadia. <laughs> But I, I, I recently just had an experience where I started listening to a lot of the, a couple of the, well, couple of the black creators on there. Mm-hmm. And I found it e- w- way more intense. Girl. <laughs> I found it way more intense. And I think the reasoning why is because I've never had, I've never had issues with digesting black material as it pertains to movie tv shows anything Mm -hmm. um but i think the white gaze really has affected me to the point where it's very hard for me to like hear and i can and and for example like if i watch a movie i can watch a movie or even if i watch porn Mm -hmm. that is with like black okay What? Shut up! Just stay with me for a second. Okay, yeah, I'm following you. Like, if I watch movies, I'm saying this more so in terms of, like, the attraction to a black male is not a problem for me, is mm, what I'm getting okay. at. Yeah. You always cutting me off no, when I'm, like, in a stream of consciousness. No, the way you said it. No, I can't be perfect all the time for you. Like, I watch porn with black. What? <laughs> That's what you said. When, uh, <laughs> when you know my mom, you know my mouth goes five hundred times faster than my mind. Okay, yeah, I'm comfortable with experiencing arousal and um, admiring and being attracted to black men regularly, mm-hmm. TV, even in person, whatever, and porn. And when it comes to digesting my porn, in the porn I watch, but I feel like audio porn, when it comes to a black man, mm-hmm. has been a very, like, new experience for me because it's intimate because it's in your ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? I do. I was in a point in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> and because, like, compared to, like, okay, because, like, with with regular porn, you're just viewing. Viewing. But with audio porn, you're, like... It's, it, you're there. You're, it's you. It's you, you're, like, it's more intimate yeah. it just is yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. i've been feeling like i felt i felt a little uncomfortable because i was like this is kind of in a sense what it would sound like if i was to be engaging in sexual in in sex with a black man because you're less of a bystander with audio porn <laughs> bystander yeah um <laughs> Huh? <laughs> so I, I I feel like that's even something like with audio porn, which I highly 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 recommend people Ooh, get yeah. into. Do it. Like I I recommend the Quinn app. I stand for Quinn, so that's who I'm really gonna advertise. Mm-hmm. But like I feel like that's been another exploration in being intentional in my blackness for me because I feel so close to myself and resonating with what I deeply desire. And and if it is not a black man that I'm to end up with, like, that's fine. Mm. But I want to be intentional in all aspects of what I digest. And so even, mm. like, audio porn for me, it even, it, even, it, it even comes down so simple to audio porn is something I try to be intentional about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that has kind of encompassed because I also do audio books. So I literally just also started, like, picking up like, you know, I don't like reading, like, my books. You know, I'd rather listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but I'm about to get a Kindle. Yeah. To become one of the girlies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, 
So for me, even even with that being said, like, I just finally finished a book where the character was black and the love interest, who's a black plus size girl, excuse me, and the main in- love interest, he was Latin. And I loved, like, listening to the audio and envisioning, like, what it seemed, what it felt like for her to just get her ass eaten, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. It was nice. Like, I I imagine a plump-ass, juicy black woman. And this man just being like, I want to taste you. I'm down here. And take off your bra, too. Mm -hmm. I I loved it. And so I I love being intentional, like, with what I'm digesting. It makes me feel more closer, and it makes me feel like I'm actually doing the work. Mm. So. Yeah. Oh, so for me? um... (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Yeah, that'd probably be a no for me because I don't know why. I'm, see, I feel like you and I are in two different places. I feel like you've been in the place that I've been and you are the place where you've moved past that. I'm still in it, realizing that it's a problem, so I'm slowly. (laughs) You love me, yo. Karate chops. I'm slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to where you currently are. To okay. the other side of the... To the mountaintop. <laughs> <laughs> to the other side of the mountaintop. Yeah. <laughs> so. Words. What was I even saying? You were saying where you are... You were basically saying that you're not at a place where you are being intentional with yeah, your blackness. I'm not. But I'm aware that that is a thing that I'm not doing. And so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not intentional with it. And I don't want to make the excuse that that's just what I've always done and it's just habit, you know? Because that's no excuse. Mm-hmm. But. Do you see yourself in the stuff that you read? Or, like, watch either? I know you watch a lot of SWAT. <laughs> 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 I know you see yourself in there. <laughs> Ain't gotta ask about that. <laughs> I try to see myself in these other books, but it's hard when they're like, you know, when they put in the description. Like, I, some of the books that I'll read, like, with a lot of indie, not with a lot, but with some of the indie books that I read, they try their best not to be, to make it obvious that this bitch is white. <laughs> Um, like, you know, they don't be talking about no creamy thighs or her blonde hair, blue eyes, you know what I'm saying? Um. I hear one more. Creamy thighs. thighs. I swear to God. Milked. Her skin was as smooth as milk. Bitch, milk stinks after a while. And it does. It's rotten. It's dairy. (laughs) That is my, see, people want to talk about the hate, you know, when they talk about the member, I hate that too. But <laughs> when they talk about her dripping sex, that shit. My shit, I hate fucking creamy thighs. That shit is gross. <laughs> it grosses me out. It takes me completely out of the scene. Anyway, they say that a lot in Den of Vipers. So warning you now. I know, I'm you know, not even, I know. That. I didn't finish it yet. Still they talking too, about her creamy they thighs. They do a lot. How many times? I don't know. We get it. Um, she's white <laughs> but there's this one series that I did read where she intentionally made 
the characters racially ambiguous. Okay. So a lot of them, I try to just block out <laughs> the descriptors if they are there. Okay. Um, but I have read a few where they try to make the character ambiguous. So, yes. Would you rather a character be ambiguous or specifically black? I would like to see them being specifically black because I have read, like I said, I've read one whole black romance (laughs) (laughs) and it wasn't even spicy. It was that Beauty and the Beast retelling that they did, that Disney did, um, by the book. Well, it was published by Disney. They didn't do it, but Mm -hmm. you know, um, so that was actually nice. I did some of the stuff that they did was nice. It wasn't spicy though. It was closed door. So. Really? Closed door for Disney? closed door. What do you mean? It's Disney. Mm, just saying. <laughs> you thought they were going to be... Like, I would have thought... It... Maybe intense kissing. I mean, it's 2024. There was kissing, okay. yeah, but there was no fucking. Well, I, know I mean, they fucked, but they didn't, you but know. But you won't know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was kissing. That's as far as they went. Spade to black. Um, so there were parts in there that I related to, and it was nice to read about. Okay. So, yes, I would. I guess I just wouldn't know... I was about to say, I wouldn't know where to start, but no, I have some on my list. Yeah. I do have some on my list. So One thing Shannon has. It's a list. She's got a you list, know? and she's and got books. You, but period. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's just... Taking the stuff, just fucking do it, man. And that's what I always have an issue with. It's just the doing. I can talk about it all day long. You know? Mm-hmm. But... Niggas gotta just do it. <laughs> <laughs> love that for you. I love that part right there. That was good, okay? She said, niggas just gotta do it. Niggas gotta do it. I love that. That's good. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, Miss Johnson, Miss mm-hmm. Johnson, what do you want to see? In the future for blackness in relation to books and media and TV shows, all that jazz. What would you like to say? I want to see more black representation with specific, with specifics to mental health. Particularly, Mm. I want to see mentions of bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. I want to see mentions of schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times whenever we have, um... Like, whenever people are kind of doing, like, the tropes and stuff like that, and they're, like, you know, mental health rep, anxiety rep. But, and I'm I'm, I'm not a motherfucking doctor, but I will definitely say, um, one thing I really have learned, um, and particularly when I learned when I was getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2018, mm. damn, um... Clap for me. Clap for my motherfucking self, okay? Yes, Damn. ma'am. She did that. She did that. <laughs> she takes her pills every night at 9 o'clock. Yes. All right. Uh. 2.50. <laughs> we are idiots. <laughs> but I, I say that to say that, like, one of the underlying things of my anxiety that my psychiatrist diagnosed me with is bipolar disorder. And... I feel like there are some people who have, they have anxiety mm-hmm. and there are some people who have anxiety because they have PTSD. Mm-hmm. There are some people who have anxiety because 
they have schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. There are some people who have anxiety because they have bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. Like, there are underlying tones sometimes to anxiety. It's not just a simple, you have anxiety, you know, or you may just need... And I hope I'm, like, making sense when I say that. You are. But, like, sometimes there are really underlying things that need to be clinically diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And for me... I had to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't think I had to go to the doctor. She just thought I needed to go to... Excuse me. She didn't think I had to go to a psychiatrist. She thought I needed to just go to a counselor, to a therapist. Mm. And two are completely different. Um, and so I would love to see representation of specifics when it comes to um, mental health representation. I would love to see more bipolar representation. And I want to see bipolar representation... Where it's not this thing that someone is like, cr- like they're the crazy family member mm-hmm. and it's just written off as like, oh, they just got bipolar. No, like people every day are living with bipolar disorder. People every day take their medication. People every day are doing the work mm-hmm. of being healthy. Jennifer Lewis is a um, a prime example of someone who was living with bipolar disorder for years and did not want to go on medication, did not want to get stable. And she has had a phenomenal, she had a, a very phenomenal career before she had even gotten diagnosed, before she had even actually started going on medication. So, but even I'm sure she could probably even relate that like she made so many bad decisions when she didn't, you know, from not going on medication. Mm-hmm. And she was, she was basically also saying, she was like, you know, we need to stop writing in office. Oh, that's just the uncle who pulls his pants down at the family function. And, you know, he's crazy. But she's like, no, he's probably sick. It's <laughs> you know? like, he's probably sick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe he has a mental disorder. He probably does. <laughs> Shouldn't just be pulling your pants down. But um, I say all that to say that I, I would I would love to see that. And um, I especially, I feel like there's a lot of plus size rep, like, happening. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't really want to put it off on that. But I feel like there's a lot of plus size rep. Like, I feel like I'm seeing that a lot in books, even with black women especially. And I feel like I'm seeing that a lot on TV. I'm Like, I'm, I'm seeing it. And I feel like it's it's not so much even where, like, there's plus size rep where um they're try- trying to lose weight. It's like, no, like, bitch, I'm fat and I make sure I try to, like, you know, maintain a decent weight. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna die. Um, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I feel like, I would. I just would love to see bipolar representation. I would. Yeah. What about you, Miss Girl? Um. I guess for me, it'd be more. <laughs> just well, I feel like I see it now, but I'd like to see it more. Where it's just seeing people of color. I guess more mainstream media. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like just and not like your typical roles. You know what I mean? Like with um, the Percy Jackson show that just came out. Like, mm-hmm. seeing Annabeth Black. That's cool. Love that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and Grover's Brown. And I think the teacher or whatever, I think he's black too. So just seeing more of that. And fucking, like, um, with shows like Bridgerton and Queen Charlotte. Like, see it, seeing people of color in period pieces. Like, I used to love that shit as a kid. I did. I was watching them shits until it got a little too incesty, and then I had to step back. Yeah. Also, Bridgerton is a little, a little colorist, but just a tad. 
but I think overall, I'm, I don't plan on watching it, but the show seems pretty good, but it does have some colorist issues there. Okay. Sorry, I mean to ruin your moment. I'm so sorry. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> um, and then, like, I guess just, like I said, just seeing people of color portrayed as more than just our stereotypes, which I feel like since we've been kids, that's definitely happened a lot more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we still got a ways to go. <laughs> For sure. You know one thing, though? I'm sorry, what are you about to say? Nothing. What? I... I want to see more intentional queer black like intentional not where it's like not where it's a taboo not where it's yes where it's harsh just, and it's just natural okay. damn i didn't even think about that it's just My straight ass up didn't even think about <laughs> <laughs> it's just straight up natural it's not Something that, like, they have to be ashamed of Mm -hmm. because the mom and the dad or, Mm -hmm. like, something like, no, like, this is a character. This is what this is. And it's natural. Mm -hmm. And I feel like especially, um, I feel like especially, too, when it does come to, um, sex, black bodies, and especially when it comes to the ideas that we hold in our mind about sex and gender, um, they're so far removed from what we actually don't know because when colonization came in, it changed and wiped out everything. Mm. So we're still finding and learning like who we are and especially who we're attracted to. Mm. And I feel especially the future and progression of black people, um, I think is really going to come from this natural, the acceptance that people who do not identify as heterosexual people are living truthfully and naturally and deserve the right to exist and to be. And so like, not only that, but being able to see them in those spaces. And honestly, I would really love to strictly see like a trans represent like trans representation where it's not rooted in struggle and dogma that there is mm. an acknowledgement of struggle but it's not rooted in struggle and dogma mm-hmm. and I would love to see that mm-hmm. I would love to one day one day maybe it could be tomorrow could be I don't see that happening yeah I, yeah I was like <laughs> you know that is a cute and fun idea says don't say it like that <laughs> my God but I want to give a special shout out to someone that I really, um, I feel like rebirthed, like in a lot of ways. We mentioned her earlier. Mara Brock Akil really, really, I feel like has redefined black representation in television. So Mara is the creator, producer of Girlfriends. Um, she did The Game, Being Mary Jane, and Love Is, which I... Watch Love Is on that. It was like this black specific, all black. It was an app. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't too bad. It was everything that was black. I was like, okay, good. Mm-hmm. And and I found, I watched the show from there. But I feel like what Mara really brought to the table, particularly in the 2000s, and I'm sure her catalog dates back to things we probably will never know, you know, like because she's been in the business for so, so long. But that um, 
seeing girlfriends on TV for us, like, as black young women, and I'm also sure that it even had an impact on gay black women. Like, I'm Mm. sure it still had an impact. It wasn't, like, a representation that was really on the show. But I'm sure it still had an impact for the individualism that was showcased with those different types of characters Mm. and their individual, like, beings. And I feel like it really set a a precedent and a stepping stone for how black women today see themselves Mm. and that it's okay to see yourself in in all different four of those characters. And also, it was really good to see William where he wasn't, like, a side gay best friend. Mm. Yeah. He had his own complex issues. I can't remember if we ever saw his mom in that show. I don't think his mom ever showed up. I don't recall. (laughs) (laughs) And how he had to navigate trying to be the best attorney that he could be the way that he actually had love. Like, you know, he was, and he, William was actually kind of a little bit of a player sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like he actually was. And I really enjoyed like seeing that. I was not supposed to be watching the show, <laughs> but I did. And then of course, then like she came out with the game and I feel like that, those were probably some of the very first handed cold contact experiences. I think we, like we all kind of watched and saw where like, we were watching what it, lo- it looks like in the background for football player girls in the back. Football mm-hmm. player, you know, wives and mm-hmm. girlfriends and stuff like that. Like and it's moms. Yes. Okay. Tasha? <laughs> Tasha Mack, baby. Okay? <sighs> Malik was fine as fuck. <laughs> Bitch. Okay? Oh, my God. Like, you just saw that. And, and I think especially for me, being Mary Jane really taught me how to really see black women as human like without respectability politics because Mary Jane was like pretty like she was smart she was educated mm-hmm. but like she was fucking a married man oh, oh okay and doing it well <laughs> okay doing it the first episode like the pilot episode literally he comes over and they're fucking on her like her bench in the lot in the foyer Bitch. And Rihanna's cake is playing in the background. It was so fucking hot. I was not supposed to be watching that shit. Well, actually, I was in high school, and I still probably wasn't supposed to be watching it. It was fucking hot as fuck, okay? And it was rough, because she was, like, messy, and she wasn't... She was. She was. She stressed me out. Man, my stomach hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Your tummy. And she she was a fucking mess, but she always tried to do her very best. Mary Jane was always trying to put her best foot forward. And I remember this one time Mara was, um, she was discussing this like particular episode where like Mary Jane had just like, you know, done some shitty shit. (laughs) And like, she plays like Nicki Minaj's pills and potions. And she like has this dance off in the like living room. And Mara was talking about how in that moment she was like, Mary Jane has lost all hope, but here it is. She's still dancing it out in her living room. It's something about dancing. It's just something about dancing. It's therapeutic. therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And she was like, and she was like, she was crying in the studio as she was editing because she was like, she knew that this character still like had hope inside herself. And I think that those are the things that we don't, sometimes writers and producers, and particularly when we have white producers and writers who are writing about black women and black people, they... Like, they're not actually, they're not providing hope and solace for mm-hmm. these black characters. Um, and writing them in, in a way where they can be redeemed. So I, I really love, 
like being able to grow up on Mars work at this point in my life and seeing that work in my life. I feel like she really has just created such a contribution for black women such as myself in this age group who are still trying to be the very best version of themselves. Mm. I love being black. It's quite nice. I I love this shit. Okay. And uh, let's go ahead and just end out with some, some quotes. Okay. (laughs) Love little ad libs. (laughs) So first quote we have is by Miss Monique. We never say who's going to be the next Matt Damon because there's George Clooney. We never say who's going to be the next George Clooney because there's Tom Hanks. We never say who's going to be the next of those people because there's an abundance. But when it comes to people of color, you'll see that there's normally just one or two and that's it. And Viola Davis quotes and says, you cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. So here's to all the writers who have redefined what it means to be beautiful, to be sexy, to be a leading woman, to be black. And to the Taraji P. Hensons, the Carrie Washingtons, the Halle Berrys, the Nicole Berrys, the Nicole Berrys, the Megan Goods, to Gabrielle Yoon, thank you for taking us all through that line. And I think it's very simple. Representation is, it's everything. It's how you, you and I see ourselves, how we want to see ourselves, and how we deserve for others to see us. Wow. It's Black History Month. And is. <sighs> We're only, what, eight days into Black History Month. Yeah. Another 21 to go because it's a leap year. It's me. Um. <laughs> Thank you guys so much and happy Black History Month, y'all. Yes. Okay, bye. This has been another episode of Books and Sex with your hosts, Kyra and Shannon. We're here on this podcast. We specialize in reading intercourse. All books mentioned in this podcast are referenced in the description. So please check them out and see how you like them. Follow us on Instagram at Books and Sex Podcast and email us any reading suggestions topics or feedback at booksandsexpodcast at gmail.com we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of books and sex in the meantime keep reading